Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Well, happy middle of the week to all of you. Wanted to inform our listeners as we move into uh, this week's episode that last week was the last episode, which we mentioned in our series on prayer. Be a Um, prayerful Christian. Absolutely, absolutely. Which means we're moving into the second part of what we talked about in our episode we did on the Christian life, which would have been right at the first of the year when we came back on. I believe it's February the 5th. Don't quote me on that, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to that if you didn't get a chance and kind of set the stage for where we've been going over this uh, winter and and going into spring season. Be a prayerful Uh, Christian, be a thoughtful Christian, be a hopeful Christian. Um, and you took my words, so <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> so we we have dealt with. I have to uh, dominate the conversation. No, that's right, that's right. Uh, so we have dealt with what it means to be a prayerful Christian, and now we do want to turn our direction now to what it means to be a thoughtful Christian. And when we say a thoughtful Christian, we need to turn our attention to the issue of God's Word, the Scriptures, um, and and this is going to be a lot. There is a lot to deal with in this. We would ask for prayer as we deal with it because it can be controversial in the sense of, well, where our culture is, it can be controversial. And I think we're battling that always, which is why we want to talk about this. we get some feedback here, but I hope folks appreciate the fact that I just spent time thinking about something that people have written volumes about, and we want to talk about it in 15 or 20 minutes. Right. So – we just want to be faithful in that 15 or 20 minutes. Absolutely. And there are such things as this idea of the inerrancy or the sufficiency or the authority of God's Word, which we are going to deal with as we talk about each aspect of Scripture over the next few weeks. And these are important things. Now, you may say, I don't know what do you mean by that word inerrancy. I've never heard of that word. I don't even know what it means. Well, it's important and we're going to talk about it. Right. It'll come up probably more than uh, once. Right. And we're going to educate. I think that's important. We want to educate. It's not enough to just say, well, I don't know what that means. Give me something a little bit easier. No, let's learn what it means because right. it's important. There, there may be terminology that comes up that folks are going to say, uh, okay, I'm done. No, right. hang in there with us. We, we'll, we will clarify. So basically today is what is Scripture? That's the title of today. We're just dealing with an overview, kind of giving direction of where we're going with this. And, and five things will guide us through that. Scripture is the revelation of truth. Scripture is the revelation of God. Scripture is the revelation of history. Scripture is the revelation of the gospel. And finally, Scripture is the revelation of God's will. So first off, Scripture is the revelation of truth. Well, you might say, duh. But why, right. why are we saying that? You know, if I ask a lot of Christians, and I don't, uh, what is the Bible or what is Scripture, they would say, what's well, God's Word? Hmm. And that's not wrong. Right answer. But what, right, but what we're going to do as we look through these different topics that we're going to explore further in the next few weeks is see that, yes, that's true, but what does that mean in its fullness? And one of the things it means is that revelation, is that Scripture is the revelation of truth. Theologians and philosophers like to use the word objective truth, that 
word objective is important in intellectual discussions. Because in, and people say, well, what does that matter to me? I'll tell you what it matters to you because what you are talking about today was discussed and came to a conclusion about a generation or two ago. Philosophers and theologians talked about those things, and now you just take some of this stuff for granted. Right. But it's, it's there. And objective means that it's not dependent on anything else. When we say the Bible is a revelation of truth, that Scripture is a revelation of truth, it's not dependent on what you think, what I think, how you feel. Oh, I just don't feel like God would do that. It doesn't matter how I feel, how you feel. It, it's not dependent on something else for its reality. It's truth. It is truth. That's, that's a great thing for us as believers that we have the truth. Well, and I think in this current climate of COVID, and I will bring this up, and I don't think this is controversial. I think this is very biblical. Um, there is this idea that somehow COVID throws a wrench in everything that we've been doing as believers and I think we have to realize, though, there is need for wisdom in approaching medical situations and issues of diseases and stuff. Those things have been happening for a very, very long time. And history, the, the thrust of history and what God is seeking to accomplish has not changed and is not conditional. Because actually he mentions in Scripture there will be pestilence, there will be diseases, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Men's hearts but, will fail them for fear of the things that will come upon them. Right. Yeah. But – Yeah. Go ye into all the world. And preach the gospel. So so I think this idea of revelation of truth, the objective truth, it's not contingent upon anything outside. Well, you said it's not conditional. That's another aspect of what objective truth is. It's not conditional. It's absolute. So yeah. So anyway, I think I think that helps us kind of give a little practical where we're at right now concept. And we just might go over some things. This is not all-inclusive, but as truth, revelation, as scripture, as truth, scripture teaches us about man, man's condition, his origins, the origin of things, sin, right and wrong, eternal life, the human condition, all those things and more, but the scripture speaks truth concerning those things. Okay, so next we have scripture is the revelation of God, and I think it's important we say this because if we realize anything, this is important. Is revealing the person that we say we have a relationship with. It's revealing God Himself. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, I just made that comment that people say, "Well, I just can't believe that a God would do such and such," or "I can't believe in a God who would do this and not do that," or whatever. That indicates a lack of faith in biblical revelation of God, because it doesn't matter in what I think God should be. What matters is what he has revealed himself to be. Now, that revelation is twofold. There's general revelation and there's special revelation. General revelation is conscience and creation. All men, women, people have a conscience. Some people's consciences are stunted by perhaps uh, some kind of um, what we would call a a, – I've lost the word. What, what you know? Someone. Let's just take, for instance, someone who has Down syndrome. Right. Con- they have a conscience. They can have a very sensitive conscience, but it's different than a person who does not have Down syndrome. Um, and it depends on the severity of the problem. Right. And there are other things like that that can affect the conscience. But right. all men, all women, or all a people, repeated life of sin that has seared the conscience. That has seared yeah, the conscience. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, all people have conscience, and all people see creation. That's mm-hmm. general revelation. Why do we say it's general? Because everybody has it. Right. 
But then we talk about special revelation. And if you want a real biblical rundown on these two, go to Psalm 19. It's, it talks about General revelation, special revelation. The the law of the Lord is perfect, verdant soul. The well, it's also of, Romans 1 Romans and this 1. whole idea um, of creation and, and reveals yeah. the wrath of God. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Both are, are, are brought into play there. So special revelation, it means that God has spoken specifically to things, about things. So when we say it's a revelation of God, it is both general, conscience, creation, and special scripture itself. You know, and we're going to get into more of this. We're going to delve into this. But why is this you – know, you're getting to this point. You may be listening. Why is this important? Why are you even talking about this? I know, I know God's word is true. Well, the problem is if you look at our current culture, and I take in particular this, the sexual revolution, because they don't have an objective truth, which we mentioned before this point, because they don't believe in a God who gives objective truth, who is the author, who is the – essence of objective truth, then what ends up happening is is their very own doctrine, if you will, and it is a doctrine, it's right. a religion, yep. ends up contradicting itself. You, you know what I'm saying? It's, they get to the point, okay, hey, we've got the, the women revolution, and they're gonna, we're going to have uh, women's rights, but then now we talk about trans, so now it, in, in imposes upon the women's yeah. rights because now, well, a trans man is, now tra- is actually a woman. This is why this is important. Help. You know, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. if we don't have objective truth, then your truth is going to come in conflict or opposite. Mine's going to come in conflict with your truth. Exactly. And what we're seeing is an increasing resistance to what we call definition. Right. And I don't mean definition of the body. I mean definition of things, Just of terms, period. of reality. Which then leads to commitment. Nothing is real. And it being doesn't matter. committed to anything. I can remember just being brought up in, a, in an introduction to philosophy class as a, a freshman in college. I can remember the whole idea of situational ethics being brought up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and situational uh, – well, situations given – to justify situational ethics. That was just a discussion then. It's reality yep. now. So so this is uh, why it's important that we see Scripture as a revelation of God. Okay, so revelation of truth, revelation of God, then the Scripture is the revelation of history. It is. That history is specific in that it's Jewish history, and it is general in that it touches on world history. So the Scriptures do not speak to world history like um, – a Western civilization book or a, hist- a, a history of uh, the Eastern world, uh, Oriental world. Or whatever. American history yeah, or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. It is specific regarding Jewish history because the Jewish people were the chosen people of God through whom he was going to bring about his will, in particular um, Christ, as we'll see in one of our other podcasts. But what we do see is there is a convergence of time, of history, a crux, as it were, of history. That's important because crux and cross come, crucifixion all come from the same root word. There is a crux of history. And so uh, the, the scriptures give us a history of the Jewish nation, a history of their development leading up to the time of Christ, and then a history of Christ's ministry and of the church So, and, and its early years. Well, and what you have surrounded in the foreground, if you will, although it was a part of it, but in the foreground you have the Roman Empire, you have the Babylonian Empire, you have all these empires that are intersecting, if you will. That's a backdrop for all of that. Right. right. So, um, whether the Israelites sinned 
and were taken into captivity. You have the Babylonian captivity. Or you have the situation where Christ comes, and it's at that time in which the Roman Empire is at its height. You know, and it and the oppression of the Jews is very real. And so you have this whole, you know, kind of struggle between is Jesus a political um you know, savior, or is he the savior of the world? You know, and so this 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 whole contrast and this whole intersection is it's interesting that you bring that up because I think it's very evident. So, for our purposes now, it is important that we know that Scripture is a revelation of history, uh, especially what God has done in history. So we have the revelation of history. What about the revelation of the gospel? Perhaps this is the. Can we say the sweetest part yeah. of the of the reality of Scripture, of the Word of God, is that God is, has revealed and continues revealing the truth of the gospel in Scripture, um, which is the answer to, the, to man's need. We see in Scripture a revelation regarding man's need, man's condition, uh, the human condition. But what we see in the gospel is the answer to, the solution to, the the human problem. And, I, you know, we don't have time to go into it in this podcast, but I can hear people, skeptics, or people saying, well, if there's a solution to the human problem, why do we still have a human problem? And that's an ongoing thing that, that we'll get to in just the next point. But what we see in the Bible is a free offer of the gospel. Yes, even in the Old Testament, there's a free offer of the gospel. Um, we see man's responsibility. You know, we often have this tension between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, but what we do see in the gospel is man's responsibility, his responsibility to respond to the gospel, to believe in the God of Scripture as he has revealed himself, to believe in his son Jesus. So, um, and historically, we see Christ come to his people, and we see him come to save his people from their sins. We see him show himself to be the perfect son of God. And we'll talk more about these things in our next time. But uh, what all of this is a free offer of the gospel. So I feel like we're leading up to something, and it brings us to kind of this final aspect of Scripture and the revelation and what that means. You've had the gospel. You've had the history. You've had the truth. You've had the authority. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, let me back up here. The gospel, the history, God, and truth. And it brings us to Scripture's revelation of God's will. I feel like once you have the gospel, now you see clearly. And so now we're going into his will and the growth. What, what does this mean? Is it, is it just right now or is it the culmination of something? Well, that's the whole thing that theologians, uh, conservative theologians, like to call the now and not yet. There's the now aspect of God's will. God has uh, sent his son. It was God's will that he be crushed. It was God's will that, that he be buried and resurrected. It is God's will that people know him and follow him. So there, there are sort of two aspects of the will of God here. One is application or sanctification, application of biblical truth, which leads to our, sancti- our holiness, our growth, our, our becoming not only uh, Christian, not only believers, but followers. And that's what we – when we become a believer, we become a follower. So there's application and sanctification. And then there's culmination. Uh, 
the now, the not yet. So we see the will of God for his people. He gives us his law. He gives us his, his what he wants us to do, how he wants us to live. You know, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. <laughs> you know, the will of God is, you know, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, I beg you, Therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. There's that concept of sanctification, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable spiritual service of worship. And not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, that is, the will of God. This is what we're about right now, the word of God. There it is, the will of God for us. It, now, it's... It takes some interpretation. It takes some application. It takes some understanding. But nevertheless, there it is. Well, and I think this is why it's so important and why you hear pastors and, and godly um, Christians who speak into your life say things like, stay in the Word. Yeah. Be in the Word. Yeah. Because as you grow, you're growing in the knowledge of God and what that means for your life. And what 10 years ago you read – Reading it again totally changes because you're in a different part of your life and growth and understanding. So you read it again, and then you read it again yeah. because you are growing in this idea of application and sanctification, and ultimately we reach the culmination of when we see Christ again. So that's what, that's what we lead to, culmination. Application, culmination. Um, what we have is God revealing himself in time and pointing us to eternity, where there will be no longer delay of time, but not only that, there will be time no more. There will be eternity. So we are looking forward to a time, if you want to call it that, when when God's will is eternally fulfilled. God's going to do his will. God's will shall be done. It cannot be thwarted. No matter what we've been taught about Satan and his power and what, what the wicked can do, and what they, uh, they have all kinds of things happening, yeah. But in the end, the will of God is done. There is no question. God cannot be stopped. Well, and I think we need to let our listeners know that this is just an overview. <laughs> right. We're not. Yeah. Uh, there may be a lot of questions. We hope we did raise right. some questions. Because our goal, though we may not answer them all, and we would encourage your feedback and questions, uh, and you can email us at the information given at the end of this podcast. But our goal is to cover these things, to at least give an, a perspective on how these questions are answered, an understanding from the Scriptures, which is objective truth, how these questions you have are answered. Yes. Or will be answered. Yes. So and we're I just getting started. We're just getting started. And I think we're coming down to the end here, but I just want our people to realize that are listening, don't be disheartened. We're, we're, we're going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Pray this for is, us. Right, yeah, absolutely. This is a big subject. Absolutely. And, and I'll just say this. P4C, that's the theme this year. Scripture is the, the ultimate authority. And that's part of the reason why we're jumping into this, because it's preparing us for when we do the Passion for Christ Summit in October. Um, so you're kind of getting the, the, the working of this as we develop and, and work through this ourselves. So we look forward to talking with you next week, and we look forward to talking about more of what it means to see Scripture as the ultimate authority. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. 
Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond.